Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, We will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. One additional content warning on this episode, we will be discussing sexual topics because we are talking about the television show Sex and the City. So if you don't want to hear about that, uh, this episode will be a good one to skip. Welcome back to this homework edition of the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gavriel Hakoen, and I am here with my totally awesome co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. Hi, Sadie. How are you today? I am. I'm doing well. I got a hundred percent on my sociology paper. That's marvelous. It's yeah, the one I tweeted about where I I, uh, I did my sociology paper about clergy abuse and um, got a hundred percent on it. Very relevant to our show. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about a little bit of um, I think the term is what, what did she call it? Sexual anthropology. Sexual anthropology. So I feel very academic. <laughs> if you have not guessed by now, or if you didn't listen to the last homework episode, or if you just didn't read the title, we. Today, on this homework episode, I assigned Sadie to watch some episodes of the television program, Sex and the City. 
This show ran on HBO for uh, six seasons. They made two movies after that. It was sort of, I, I, I like to think of it as um, what the Sopranos did for like high, you know, for high drama, for, for binge watch, high drama type things. Sex and the City, I think, did that for a lot of these shows that we're seeing coming out on streaming platforms today where they are more romantic you know dating based type shows with uh characters and that's the main subject of the show in that direction but you know maybe with more vulgarity more uh uh, explicit content than we would have seen in the show like friends so here we go um sadie how much of the show have you watched I watched the first seven episodes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about uh, mostly season one. And I I wish I had had time to watch more episodes. So I'm, I'm trying to push for maybe a follow-up in a few months where we talk about the later seasons as well. Yeah, that'll be fun. And you know what? It's not her fault that she didn't get as far into it because she had a power outage. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you, by the while while I'm on my soapbox where I get to talk about things and people listen to me on purpose, let me tell you, power outages are not my favorite thing, but during a pandemic and like all the civil unrest and everything, oh, it's just scary. Like even when you know it's just literally a power outage because there was a lot of wind last night. It was, it's it's frightening. So, uh, but I am okay. I survived. Everything's good. We're all fine. The baby's fine. Your husband's fine. Baby's doing great. Baby is ready to to meet the outside world in just a couple months here. Yeah. So before we get into that, uh, we Ow, just have a baby we, is kicking me. Baby <laughs> is always kicking you in the ribs. Yeah, baby is is always kicking me. It is just once in a while that they get me good enough. Yeah. That I can't keep it quiet. So uh, uh, before we get into talking about the show in great detail, which we will do, uh, there's a couple announcements that we want to say. First, I want to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we work hard to bring you two episodes every week for your enjoyment. So if you want to support this show, there are things that you can do. You can join our Patreon where we will have extended episodes and you know uncensored episodes for when we uh, uh, have explicit words that we use the swears that we use that we usually bleep out those won't be bleeped on our patreon versions if you don't want to pay money for our patreon that's fine uh just please uh you know you can recommend this show to your family your friends uh your enemies your co-workers uh we really appreciate it because that's the best way that we've been growing our audience and our audience has been growing significantly of late which is something we are excited about uh the other thing that you can do is join our facebook group Uh, It's called Eden Exodus. Go to uh, Facebook, search Eden Exodus. And we have, uh, we post memes there. We post jokes there. We ask about, you know, ideas for episodes and you can go there. You can message us, leave a comment or something saying, oh, maybe this would be good for a homework assignment. You can also email us uh, what you think a good homework assignment would be. But that brings me into this show because this show is the first time that we have had a homework assignment that was actually suggested by a listener. So we are very excited about that. And I'm sure that our listener who, you know who you are, uh, is is very excited about that. I didn't know this one was suggested by a listener. I think that's super, that probably just means I forgot. But... Yeah, I said it on air last time and you forgot about it because of your 
<laughs> Listen, I was a space cadet before. Yeah. But this is this isn't completely new. Yeah. It's just more obvious now. Well, she can't uh, remember anything because she's pregnant and also last time she was super tired because we were like uh, because she was also in the middle of like a a term in school, so Yeah, la- la- the last homework episode we recorded was like right before finals week or during finals week for me. So that was yeah. No, uh, but I was spacey before I was pregnant, so I can't completely blame it on that. No, that's that's super cool. Let's get into the show. So this show stars, uh, uh, it has the four main characters. There's four women. There's Carrie, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte. And, and Oh, Car- yeah. Yeah, yeah, the four genders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The fifth gender is New York City. Oh, man. Because that's the fifth main character of, of the show, uh, according to fans of the show. Yeah, but uh, there's there's uh, Carrie, who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker. There's uh, Samantha, who's played by uh, Kim Cattrall. Charlotte is played by uh, Kristen Davis. And then there is Miranda, who is played by Cynthia Nixon. Um, and so I just want to get straight into it. So what did the IFB have to say about this show? Because this show was pretty monumental when it came out. It was very, very popular. Yeah, and I did. I heard a lot about this show growing up in the IFB. This is definitely something that I recall having heard having heard preachers talk about. The main gist of their issue with the show, the from my memory would have been it's immoral simply even to have a TV show with the word sex in the title on television. HBO in general was kind of a boogeyman within the IFB. Really? Yeah, so I heard about HBO like constantly, and I also heard about MTV like constantly, which I think maybe by the time I'm remembering this in like 2003, maybe MTV was a little bit of a dated reference. That's the sort of thing that I would expect them to be warning you about in the 80s, you know, like where they see the thriller video on MTV. They're dancing, there's demons, there's zombies, and they're all scared. Oh, no, it's the devil coming out of the ground and he's going to get you. And it's right there on MTV and everybody likes it. And it's number one on the charts. I don't know whether or not there was preaching about MTV in the 80s. Uh, There's a, a bit of a trend within the IFB that sometimes they don't learn about things that are popular and are also, you know, evil um, until the, those things are over. Well, I'm sure that HBO would have been seen like especially as the boogeyman because it's a channel that you can't get HBO unless you pay specifically for HBO. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I got cable and MTV is one of the channels on cable, but I mainly got cable for ESPN. It's like I paid extra specifically because i wanted to watch hbo because they can swear on there and then there's sex uh, sexual content on hbo as well see i think it might actually be the opposite of that really because i think the ifb and again i was a kid so this is kind of going off a vague memory i think the ifb didn't know that you had to pay extra for hbo Really? I think that they thought that it just came with your cable. So this was used as an example of why cable television is evil. Huh. And why you shouldn't have cable because it will allow things like the TV show Sex in the City into your house. So like the the perception is that if that is a possibility for you to even get that on your television, 
then your children are going to somehow find a way to watch it. Because remember, children are evil from day one. Remember that whole thing. I you got to beat that, that out of them. Right. So your children who are naturally evil and inclined to sinfulness are going to to seek out the worst content they can find on your television. So your kids are going to get into HBO and then that's going to ruin your children. And I can see why they would have thought that sex in the city is the worst content that you could watch on television because I mean, let's face it. It is an explicit show in which women talk very openly with one another about sex, sexuality, desires, promiscuity, yeah, and I did want to touch on that too. Um, I have been so this whole this whole morning before leading up to our recording time today, I have been feeling some some really intense feelings of shame. I feel ashamed to admit in public that I have even seen this show. Really? Which is a lot of I mean, yeah, I mean I'm, tw- I'm 20 I'm 27. I'm almost 28. Um by the time this airs I might have had my birthday already. No, this is coming out tomorrow. Oh, is it? <laughs> nope, I won't. Okay. No, I'm 27. I'm almost 28 and like I'm having a kid. I'm married. I'm having a kid of my own, but I still feel a bit a little bit of that residual shame. Um thinking, oh, some people from my old church or people from my old life might see the title of this episode and might judge me for having even watched this show, even for like research purposes for my podcast. Is it the sort of thing where even, I I don't want to say even knowing what it was, but like even knowing the name of the characters from the show would have been like a a symbol or a, 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 a sign that you were invested in the show enough to know enough about it for it to have an influence on you is that is it that sort of thing yeah it's the kind of thing where even if you did sneak and watch this you certainly wouldn't want anybody else ever to find out yeah um i mean i remember reading fashion so i was reading like fashion blogs back in high school and reading about oh you know carrie bradshaw wore this or whatever and thinking like I had to keep it a secret that I even knew the name of her character. Really? Yeah. Well, this show, you know, being set in New York, which is, of course, the fashion capital of North America, fashion clothes play a and and especially with such a focus on femininity uh, 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 and, and feminine sexuality, uh, female sexuality, clothes play a very big sort of side role in the show fashion plays a very big side role in the show and so the the characters costumes what they're wearing they're always talking about okay i'm going out with this guy and i really like him so like and they're like well how much do you like him and 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 then somebody would say like i bought a two thousand dollar dress for him to see me and like like that sort of thing you know, and, and well, fashion and consumerism. <laughs> and then I had to get shoes that went with the dress. And that was another four hundred dollars. Like that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Right. And Carrie's very into designer shoes, which is kind of like a I don't know, a, one basic aspect of her character. And I know that's going to get explored as I continue watching the show. Yeah. But who like doesn't love designer watching. shoes? Come I mean, on. Listen, I'm I'm a very practical person when it comes to shoes. I mostly wear Doc Martens and um and that's 
like my main shoe brand. But even I would love to have at least one pair of, of nice designer shoes. I know almost nothing about women's shoes. Uh, I know quite a bit about men's shoes, men's fashion, that sort of thing. Women's fashion. I, I know if somebody looks nice. I don't know uh, uh, the brands. I don't know the uh, – except for like a few very, very big ones. Which is funny to me because a lot of the men that I know that have – like my dad has a very strong eye for, for men's fashion. Um, just a very good sense for it, but he's also got an excellent eye for women's fashion. Really? He can put together an outfit better than I can. That's a, a valuable skill to have if you are a man. You know, pay attention to women's fashion. It's not gay. And even if it is gay, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, that's that's the sort of thing. Pay attention to I mean, we're men. We act like we're not concerned with how things look, but we definitely are concerned with how things look. And we and we you know, and, and we do care about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just uh, I just thought it was I think it's interesting, like how good you are at men's fashion. Oh, well, thank it's a you. little it's a little unusual to me that you don't have the same strong eye for for women's or feminine fashion. Like I know I know when I see somebody, I think, oh, wow, look at her. But I don't I, I just haven't looked enough into it to know all of the different, you know, designers, what they're mm. known for. That's oh, okay. that that's what sense. we're talking about here. Then again, we live in Portland and women don't wear like designer clothes in Portland. Like that's not a thing. Either that or they will or but it will be like micro brand designer clothes where it's or like athleisure designer clothes. So it's right. very f- expensive and fancy clothes that are made to look like they're almost minimalist in their mm-hmm. nature in that like my awesome yeah. water bottle leggings like i have i have these super super cool like yoga pants leggings that are made out of recycled water bottles oh interesting yeah so it's they're 100 percent zero waste and then the dye that they use to dye them is com- is compostable so it doesn't dye the water system um, oh, interesting. But they use to dye the fabrics, and then the factory is in Vietnam, and they pay their workers a fair living wage, and they provide meals and healthcare for their workers. But like stuff like that, like that's what's cool in Portland, not like some designer name. Yeah. No, I. But I want to talk. I want to go into the clothes because the clothes are a very big part of the show. Uh, but also, I want to talk about so this show. It debuted in 1998. So HBO, about a year earlier, it had had uh, it had had you know big shows on it before. It, it had shows that were, but it had The Sopranos on it starting in 1997, and that was a huge hit for the critics. And then they had Sex in the City starting in 1998, which was also a huge hit. But basically, because this show is set in the late 90s, the men's fashion in this show. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice this? I don't know. You haven't told me what I did or didn't notice yet. So if you look at the men in this show, they're always like, oh, man, that guy is super hot. And then they'll show the dude and he will be wearing a suit that is so unbelievably baggy. Yeah, I did notice that. It's like there was some kind of like oversized trend going on well, that's what it was in the 90s and like the late 90s early 2000s that was the look uh that was that was big that was in and then they would have the men like every time they're like oh man that guy is super hot 
and then they'd show him and then there would be like that guy is super gross he doesn't look very good and the guy that they say doesn't look very good would always <laughs> like to me i'm like i i i'm like that guy looks better than the guy that you're you know fawning over like that guy you know with the that looks a bit scruffy that's like got maybe shorter hair that doesn't have like the like the donald trump in the 90s haircut yeah, yeah that's like the the look and they're like oh man that's attractive and i'm just like <laughs> really yeah that's what uh, you find attractive yeah i haven't haven't run into any men on this show so far that i felt like we're worth writing home about no but like is it but is that kind of part of the thing like do they just encounter kind of crappy men that is kind of a, a recurring that kind theme of the thing about this show is that they'll be like i went out with an investment banker and then surprise surprise the investment banker turns out to be in like a total like the not just a tool but the entire shed you know what i'm saying yeah, and I, I I really liked the tone of how they do this though, because to me it didn't come off as like all men are terrible or like men aren't worth your time. Just the ones that we're attracted it to. It came <laughs> off more as like why are we attracted to cruddy men and why are cruddy men always attracted to us and don't we deserve something better than this in a relationship? Um which I thought I thought was a lot more fair because um I I I um very willing to speak out against toxic masculinity and like the the way that masculinity is treated in the United States but I'm not the kind of person to say that all men are terrible and I think that that's a very fair uh, fair point to make but it's it's very funny to me and they're just like going for these cuz they want the guy that cuz you know they're in New York City we're in Portland Oregon where maybe status isn't worth so much where you could be like oh i'm a teacher but my wife is a doctor like that's the type of Mm -hmm. vibe that we have here where you know you can be uh middle class and then you're gonna like you can marry or date people who are significantly more well off than you and that's not a thing that's particularly uncommon here uh, but it seems like over th- like in New York, at least during the late 90s, the vibe that I got was that these women, these are, are professional women who, you know, have apartments, uh, 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 high tastes as far as clothing, expensive tastes as far as clothing. And they, you know, they dine out all the time. So they've got to have quite a bit of money coming to them. And they're all professional. So I, I think Miranda is a lawyer. Charlotte is uh, uh, works at an art gallery as like a curator. Samantha, what does Samantha is in event planning, and Carrie is a, a, a syndicated columnist. So they're all like professional women, and so they're making decent money. And so they're also looking for men that make good money, but they're looking for the guy that's like he's rich and he's very nice to me, and he wants to get married. And he has a good relationship with his mother and he isn't too sexually deviant is basically the thing that they're all looking for. Yeah. And I I, I like that these are that we're showing the lives of professional women. And this show does one thing that that friends never did well, which is show how do these people have the money to afford these apartments i was actually having a conversation with somebody today about uh, i was talking to her i was like i am not a fan of the show friends because all of the characters are terrible people yeah 
but like the, the, the big question of friends yeah. though is like how like how do they how do they live where they live right and i feel like the sex in the city did a lot better job like of feasibly you know there, there's at least a, an a, a suggestion that this could possibly be where somebody who is a lawyer or an event planner or whatever lives. So I yeah. liked I liked that. I also liked just showing women in professional jobs. Um, I feel like I'm hoping they'll get a little bit more into Miranda's law career. Um, oh, they do. She eventually makes partner. Oh, good. And like yeah. what she like, because I know that, that there's a lot of feminist issues to be raised there. And I, I like how this show does it, at least in the in the very beginning. What I was going to ask you, though, is like what wasn't clear to me from the episodes that I watched. Are these women actively pursuing marriage and family? Or are they pursuing like a long term monogamous something? I think it depends on which woman we're talking about. Okay. So. Um, and that's going to take us into talking about basically because there's four main characters, right? We have Carrie, we have uh, Samantha, we have Miranda, and we have Charlotte. Carrie is the columnist who writes a sex column in uh, in a magazine. Uh, uh, she is looking for a serious relationship. Uh, she is looking for love, and when she she i don't think she's like rushing into the idea of getting married but she wants to fall in love with somebody and have that and eventually get married to them i think that's sort of what i so she wants like she's looking for somebody who like she'll date for a year and then move in with and like have couple like have dinner party where other couples come over yeah and, like, like that kind of like more domestic but not necessarily matrimony well, she, I think she wants to get married eventually. That's part yeah. of the that's part of the show. We have Samantha, who it has no particular interest in monogamy whatsoever. Samantha is the one where, you know, they will be uh, at breakfast, and somebody will say, um, "Oh, I wonder if this comes with pickles." And then Samantha will be like, "I came with a big pickle last night." Ugh. And then they'll be like, "Hey, yo!" And then they'll all high five, or they might like roll their eyes. See, Samantha immediately endeared herself to me uh, for one reason: um, she is the least swerfy of the four That's main true. characters, and I really appreciate. I really appreciate that for people because who don't we have know to that. remember. We have to remember that this is the '90s, so. Uh, 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 trans issues, uh, non-binary issues, uh, 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 gender non-conforming issues. Those were not things that were in the mainstream of feminist discourse yet. Right. And there's an episode where, where sex work is kind of brought up in a, in a very, actually a very funny way, I thought. Um, but the, the, the three other main characters are kind of different, different levels of creeped out or, or not ready to accept the the idea of sex work and samantha's like hey yeah you do you do you yeah as long as everybody's consenting samantha is a fun character for that reason oh i had to explain my term if you don't know the term swerf um sex work exclusionary radical feminist 
Oh, sorry. I thought I confused Swerf with Turf because there's also a different episode where she talks about. They're usually the same people. It's fine. The uh, the Venn diagram is usually not quite a circle, but it's it's close to a yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah. And then both of those categories are inside people that I don't like. Sorry, it just it just totally slipped my mind. I know, but I know both of those terms. Uh, but no, so so a, a Swerf is somebody who is feminist but doesn't believe that any form of sex work can ever be um empowered empowering or validating um to a woman which i disagree with because i think that the core value of feminism is that women can do what women want to do and that they like each individual person is the boss of their own body and that's sort of one of the big points of this show uh uh which i think we'll get into later uh but basically uh, I want to finish introducing the main characters is that Miranda is uh, I think out of the four of them, she has the most, I, I don't want to say professional because they're all professional in what they do. They all do their jobs very well, but she, she is a lawyer. So she is the most, uh, 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 I guess, professional from like a conservative standpoint. You see, she you know the what most I'm traditional career. Yes. She she is a career woman. She she does often um, focus her life on long term relationships, but she does it very much from a more pragmatic perspective, as opposed to the fourth uh, the fourth character uh, who is Charlotte. Charlotte, I believe, is craving the domesticity. Charlotte wants to fall in love, get married, have kids. That that's like her calling. I think that's fine. I wish they hadn't. I felt like that kind of gave them an excuse to portray her as weak. Uh, and I think that gives it gives me this sense that maybe they're trying to portray all women who want marriage and want a family as weak. That could just be me projecting, but that was that was something I wasn't so much of a fan of. Well, I think that uh, Carrie and Charlotte uh, both want marriage and both want a family, but they want it in different ways where Charlotte is like, I want this. This is like the thing that I'm actively going out and searching for. And Carrie is more like, I want the validation. And then this is something that is going to come with that. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So those those are the four characters. And so basically the formula for the episode, for the formula for the show will be that uh, there will be one main topic that they will talk about and then they will show all four of those characters experiencing that topic in different ways that sort of intertwine with each other i'm trying to think of a good example of this but i can't remember which episodes that you've seen but they'll basically have a, a subject that carrie is writing her sex column on and then carrie will experience one thing samantha will experience a different thing uh, Miranda will experience a different thing and Charlotte will experience a different thing, but they'll all sort of be related to this one topic. And that will be the topic that Carrie is, is writing about in her sex column, like during the voiceover. And I think that this is an extremely cool narrative technique because it's conductive. It's, it's conducive to telling a good story and uh, making a story that sort of is succinct and feels like it's going somewhere so you can very easily get a beginning, middle, and end, and then multiple different perspectives on it. I agree. I, I really thought the the whole the framework of having it be 
you know, this is something that Carrie's writing about in her sex column. And then it affects like that thing will affect everybody. There was, there was one about 20 something guys. Yes. That's, that's something that I was talking about. They were talking about 20 something guys where, uh, they all kind of, so, so Carrie is writing about how, you know, she feels a little bit out of place because she feels like some, like the men her age are a little bit older than her are like all the quality men from that age group are kind of already settled down or married and then she struggles to find somebody in her age group but she feels like these 20 something guys are a different thing like they're kind of fascinated with oh i'm with an older woman even though she's like i don't know 32 she's like 30 31 32 in this show and they're like they're 25 like, yeah <laughs> but like she feels like you know she these younger guys are like a different you know it's something that she really enjoys like going out with these younger guys because it's a different experience than the guys her age who she sees as maybe a little bit boring. And then so she'll be like, I'm like, so I she's writing what it's a column like. about it. Yeah, right. And then-, and then all four of the girls eventually end up in some kind of permutation of 20 something guys throughout the episode. Yeah. So like Samantha will be like, I say take them as young as they come because that's when they've got they're at peak strength or, or some nonsense <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? And then right, yeah. And then uh, uh, Miranda. I don't know what what happened in that episode. What what happened to Miranda? I don't recall. What I remember is Samantha kind of being like, though I like the one thing I like about Samantha the way she speaks. It's like she has. It's like she's thought about it before. Like she probably hasn't. But the way she makes this declaration about what she thinks about 20-something guys, the way she says it, it comes off like this is a life philosophy that I've had for the past 10 years. Yes. And it probably she probably probably totally isn't. She's probably just making it up as she talks. She has a very proper way of talking, though, and it makes it – like she uh, she is hilarious. She sounds like an expert and she sounds like she's thought everything through beforehand. There's like a later, like she is clearly um, the the sh- like part of her character is that she is the most sexually experienced out of all four of the women in the show, and so she sometimes is like, "Oh, I'm an expert on this because blah 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 blah." I just I like her confidence. Oh, she's she's got so much confidence, and it's hilarious. Where guys will come up to her, and then they'll be like, "Hey," and then she'll be like, "No." <laughs> 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 and then she'll be like no you're the one i want and then she'll like invite that to she'll be like you're the one i want to talk to and you're the one i want to hook up with she's she's hilarious i think her confident personality is just it just really adds a lot to the show as a whole i no, she's she's a uh, uh, very entertaining so that's my other reason that i that i really like her aside from her being a more inclusive type of feminist. She is very much more inclusive uh, than the others. I think that that Charlotte is the most conservative, but I don't think that's coming from a place of of hate or of a no. discrimination. She's just like, well, no, th- this this is what, but this is how this is supposed to be, and this is how this is supposed to be, and and like when she is confronted with something that's not what she's used to, she's like. Oh, how deviant. And Samantha's like, please. (laughs) Which is an interesting, it's an interesting thing that they made her the artist. Yeah. Because I think it would have been more stereotypical for, for her, for the, the one who's the most conservative to have not been in, not been certainly not been in the arts. I thought that was kind of neat. She's not so much an artist as she is, uh, she's an art 
appreciate like she's an art fan she's an art curator right right? but i mean we assume that she went to college for some kind of art related degree for like art history or something like that um but there's I, i remember which which episode was it there was an episode where uh, there is this artist that is painting pictures oh, of vaginas. He's like, this is where all the power in the world comes from. That guy was way over the top, but his the, his wife was hilarious. He's like this old, like, hippie artist type guy. And his wife is like, you know, she's like the old woman who you would expect to be married to this old type, you know, beatnik his hippie guy. Cr- just cracked me up. And yeah, and so this guy's like the 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 vagina is where all of the power in the universe comes from. It has the power to to give life. It is the thing that we most desire. And so he will get women to pose for him and he'll paint like this like, like impr- abstract impressionist. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, and so he asks Charlotte to pose for him and she's like, "Oh, should I do it? Should I not do it?" Like that's her thing. She's like, "Oh, would that be too uh too uh indecent or in or, or too vulgar and she eventually does it and then it's hanging in the gallery and well the thing is no that's not the end the end is that she's she's not she doesn't feel confident enough to say out loud you're like oh well which one are you so they're the paintings are numbered like number one through number 14 and the girls are all asking her like which one like which one did you model for and she doesn't feel confident enough to even say, like, the number out loud to all three of her friends at once. But she, like, goes from friend to friend and whispers in their ear, like, I was, that was this one. And she looks happy and proud with her decision. And I thought that was just great. Like, she doesn't have the confidence to, like, be very outward about the fact that she's happy that she did this modeling. I'm not, I wouldn't say it's confidence. I would say it's whether she's comfortable with it. But she's happy. But like she's, it's very clear based on her body language that she's not upset that she did it. Like she's happy that she did it. Yeah, she thinks it was a validating experience, not a, 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 a not an objectifying one. Right, and I thought I thought that was cool. Yeah, I thought. So I have a question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that's sort of how this show ends up going. Is that these four characters will sort of. Uh, present as different sort of perspectives with which to view a single issue and then what will often happen is that they will end up sort of meeting in the middle with some sort of i I guess not high truth but some sort of like thesis statement or conclusion about whatever uh the subject of the episode there's a there's a there's a conclusion yeah so what will happen will be charlotte will often be the one who's like oh i'm gonna be more conservative about this but then she's confronted with something that doesn't work out so well she's also portrayed as maybe being the most naive of the four of them uh, and so she'll be confronted with something and then she'll maybe learn to accept something that's a little bit out of, outside of her comfort zone samantha oftentimes she'll be like going all the way out with some weird sex thing and then like there's one episode where she's uh uh uh, uh, uh sleeping with a man who takes viagra not because he needs it but like takes it recreationally and uh she gets addicted to sex with viagra Oh, man. Yeah, this is a much later episode. And then she realizes she's like, oh, no, this is too crazy. I can't handle like I I have to stop because otherwise I'll just be like ruining regular sex. Uh- <laughs> wow. That, see, yeah. see, that's why I'm going to keep watching this show, because I feel like that is OK. So so, yeah, that is the, the, this clearly 
scandalous to have on television 20 years ago. Like, clearly this is, like, to some extent, it is kind of, like, pearl-clutching bait. You know what I mean? I do get the feeling that some of these plot lines were manufactured to, like, get the pearl clutchers clutching their pearls. However, like, that's not... That's that's not a plot that doesn't deserve to exist. Like it sounds that sounds like there could be some genuine moments and some funny moments in it. Yeah, so that's another thing that I want to talk about is that because if you have a platform like HBO where you are not limited by by you know censorship. So you know you can show nudity on TV, you can use swear words all you want then what you end up having is you end up, especially, you know, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, 23 years ago, when this show was first airing, you have all of this room to do like a serial show about these characters in a way that has not been done before. And so that's one of the reasons why this show was so groundbreaking, because, you know, there had been movies with this sort of thing before, but there hadn't been a serial television show like you would watch, like, you know, like a friends, like friends, but with nudity and swear words and much more explicit content. And so that ended up being kind of the focus of the show, because if you haven't seen something before, if something hasn't really been done before, then the first people to do it, that's really going to be something that's moving the conversation mm-hmm. forward and moving the way that this specific topic is being portrayed on TV forward. So uh, speaking of the, the portrayal on TV and kind of the, the public opinion about this show, I wanted to ask, okay, I wanted to ask, do you have a concept of how many people watched this? Okay, so so I'm thinking of, of specifically The Bachelor, which is kind of the, you know, the, the feminine-coded TV show on right now. Uh, I feel like a lot of my friends watch The Bachelor, but only a few people are willing to admit it. I've worked in offices where... We, you know, everybody came in on the morning after The Bachelor aired and was like, oh, my gosh, did you see this, that and the other? Uh, did you did you see that that so and so didn't get a key to the fantasy suite or whatever? But I've also been in groups where people didn't really people felt ashamed that they watched The Bachelor. didn't really want it. Like they felt like they were compromising their their purity, piety. No, no. Feminism. Oh, OK. People felt like they were they were owning up to being a bad feminist if they admitted to watching The Bachelor. So do you I know that we were both kids really when this show came out, but do you have a a concept of like, did everybody watch this and talk about it or did everybody watch this, but only half of people talked about it? Do you have a concept of that? I'll tell you what I know is that um, one of my roommates, I mentioned to him, oh, I'm going to be watching a bunch of Sex in the City this week. And he's like, oh, dude, my ex-girlfriend, she loved that show. I've seen every episode of it because she always had it on in the background. Um, so that was the sort of thing that it was. And then I mentioned to a couple of other people, oh, we're doing Sex in the City. Uh, I've been watching a bunch of Sex in the City. And they would say things like, oh, really? Oh, that'll be really interesting. Yeah, I've seen that show. I've seen this, that, and the other. And so people talked about it. You know, I guess these are people that I haven't, because I hadn't watched the show before. And I guess this show is maybe a little bit older than 
I would have been watching it. Uh, if I had been, you know, 10, 15 years older, then this is the sort of thing that people my age would have been watching. But they would, people have seen it. A lot of people have seen it um, from our generation and from the generation older than us. So I don't know if it's that sort of thing, but I get the feeling like people would watch Sex in the City and then they would be like, the next morning, you know, they would have brunch with their friends and they'd be like, did you see what Carrie did on Sex in the City this week? What? How about Miranda? Oh, Samantha, she's always so scandalous. You know, that's the sort of thing that I could that I could see. So, the, yeah, so the vibe that we're getting is that people were a little bit more happy to talk about their involvement with this show. Well, yeah, and I also, I don't know how women talk about sexuality with it, like, between themselves. Um, I don't know if this is an accurate representation because I've never been there for that conversation. Um, where it's I would just say it's women. like the way that like the way the four main characters talk to each other. Would you say that it's somewhat uh, uh, accurate? Yeah, um, it's not. I would say it's, it's not inaccurate. There are definitely different different friend groups have vastly different ways of relating to each other and topics that come up and topics that don't come up. Uh, but it's not it's not outside the realm of reality for sure. Like there are definitely female friend groups that function very much like the one shown on the show. And so my question about that is whether or not this was portraying something that already existed um, very heavily or it was portray or its portrayal um, of something maybe that existed in smaller scale you're asking the chicken or the egg question. Yeah, I'm asking the chicken or the egg question. But I de- like regardless of that, if this this show is either something that influenced that to happen in broader culture as a whole or it was the first real representation of that that, you know, that we got to see in this manner. And either way that makes this show deeply monumental. Yeah, I see I think this is I think this show it's probably a little bit of both. Like I think it's showing uh, a, a type of female friendship that already existed. Uh, but I also think that it probably had an effect on the next generation of how we speak to each other. Yeah. I th- So I think it's both. We're going to take a small break and then we're going to come back and, and we're going to go take up the offering. And then we're going to come back and talk about a few other things where I'm going to find out, we're going to talk about whether we're, you know, which we're Carrie Miranda, whether I'm a Carrie, a Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, who Sadie is. And so that's going to be pretty fun. All right. Welcome back. We are here. Uh, thank you for waiting. Uh, we are here talking about Sex and the City, the television program that aired for six seasons on HBO. I'm going to get right into it. So, Sadie. Yes. Do you want to uh, talk about because there is four archetypical characters here. And one of the big things that people do is they're like, oh, I'm a Carrie. Oh, I'm a Samantha. Oh, I'm a Miranda. Oh, I'm a Charlotte. And they identify with one of the four characters. So I wanted to ask you, and you're free to ask me as well. Actually, you know what we should do? We should guess who we're going to say that we identify as. Okay, we're gonna, so I'm going to try to guess who you would say that you are. Do you want me to guess first or do you want to guess first? You go first. Okay. Um. I'm wondering, okay, I think I'm, I have two answers because I have one character who I think that you're going to say that you are, and then 
the character who I see you as is different from the character who I think that you're going to say that you are. Okay. 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 Let's do that. I think that you were going to say that you are a Samantha, but I think that you're a Carrie. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. See, I honestly, I feel like I'm about 60% Miranda, 40% Samantha. Really? That's a that's an interesting combination right there. I mean, it is it is, but I I do have like I have some very type kind of type A academic traits and I I really appreciate Miranda's practicality because I think Samantha is she romanticizes things. She does. Like she romanticizes kind of every like I think in her head okay Samantha has main character syndrome in her head like she's definitely the main character and Miranda's a little bit too practical for that uh but I think I think personality wise I have a little bit more of Samantha see can I tell you like externally so go ahead tell me what you can I tell you why I said that so um the reason why I thought that you would say that you are a Samantha is because of all of the the things that we were talking about earlier, where Samantha is, as far as her views go, towards uh, uh, sex work, towards um, uh, uh, queer identities. Because there's a very early episode where they're talking about, like, uh, uh, I, I want to say pansexuality. Uh, and there's a... a part of the episode where Samantha's like, yes, in the future, it's just going to be who you're attracted to, not what gender they identify with. And I was like, that's the type of thing that I could hear you saying, though. And that to me, no, I was you're like, right. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, that was something that cued that into me. The reason why I say that you are a Carrie is because I think that out of the four of them, Carrie is the most inquisitive. Carrie is always going to be the one who's asking the questions. And maybe that's because she's the one who's the professional writer and that's her job. But and also because you're the person who, you know, you have strong tendencies towards and and previously you had strong aspirations to be a journalist. And so her as the columnist, I thought that was a the thing that suited you the best. And also when I look at our friendship, like I'm I'm like, OK, who if I were neutral in this if i were none of the four of them who would sadie be to me and i think that sadie you would be the carry who maybe you aren't always the one giving advice but you definitely know a lot samantha's always the one who's trying to give advice but maybe her advice is like low-key ratchet <laughs> And so I I don't necessarily think that you're always going to be the one who's giving that advice to just be like, yeah, go off, be ratchet, do that. Um, you're yeah, going Samantha to be a bit more sensible. Samantha tends to talk out of her – yeah, she talks out of her ass. That, that, I can see but that. But she's very confident when she does it. So it seems like she's the right – like she knows what she's talking about. And so I could definitely see like somebody being like, yeah, Samantha said this. Samantha, Samantha said that. So that's why. So minus so uh, minus the aspect of her potentially inflammatory advice giving tendencies. Yes. <laughs> I think personality wise you might kind of be a Samantha. In my I think 
I that's what I think. You think I'm a Samantha. Okay, so okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, okay, listen. who did you think that I would identify as? So I don't know who you would say for yourself. Take a guess. See if you can take a guess to see who okay, so knowing me, who would I say that I'm the most like? I don't know. There are like disqualifications for each person. Okay, so what do you think are the disqualifications for my personality? Okay, so I feel like you wouldn't say you're a Charlotte because you wouldn't want to be seen as I think I think you wouldn't want to be seen as too traditional. That's I think that's a fair point. And you also like okay, so like your no good morning text thing, which I and I know you've said on the show. Oh before. yeah, yeah. Where I say if you send me a good if if <laughs> don't send you a good morning. If you're text, a girl like, and if you're in a we're going out, uh, and you send me a good morning text, I will not respond to your good morning text until after twelve thirty in the afternoon, just so that it isn't a good morning text anymore. Uh, that's just a a, a a thing that I do. Uh, uh, sorry, it's. it's- Hey, listen, listen, one of us is married and one of us isn't. That's all I have to say about this. Yeah. That's all I have to say anytime you bring up that good morning text thing. Um, So I feel like that would disqualify you from saying that you're a Charlotte. Because Charlotte is the type to send a good morning text and to want to receive a good morning text. Yes, exactly. Uh, I feel like you wouldn't say you're a Miranda because I think you would see that I I think you would perceive her as too stuffy. Um, I don't, but I feel like because I like her, I like her. Um, she kind of has a cutting wit sometimes. See, Miranda, I'm. I'll tell you, I like that. Miranda is the character who I most identified with. Um, mostly because there was an episode later, uh, I think in season three, I got all the way to season three. Um, Miranda is walking down the street. There's a outs and she's walking past the sub, uh, the sandwich shop, this like subway or something. And there's a dude outside the sandwich shop wearing a costume of a giant sandwich. And he's like, eat me. And he says that to her, and he says that to her, and then she gets mad. Like he keeps, he says it to her every time she walks by, um, and she gets mad, uh, and then she walks into the sandwich shop and uh, says to the manager, "She's like the guy outside is sexually harassing me. He keeps saying eat me every time I walk by." And the guy's like, "Yeah, he says eat me because he's a sandwich." But then she's also like a little bit turned on by the sandwich, and then. She's like talking to Carrie on the phone. And there's this one line where she says, I can't be sexually attracted to a sandwich. Can I? And when I hear her say that line, I'm just like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) You know, for for that, I think I might be willing to amend my judgment in your favor. (laughs) Yeah, no, Miranda is the one who's like, I'm going to buy a nice condo for myself i'm going to buy this i'm going to buy that like that's true that's... miranda is less obsessed with, with being in other people's company yeah than other characters and you know a few years ago maybe you know i like i did not know how to function when i didn't have other people around me and now i'm just like please get everyone else away from me i will summon you when i want to talk to you <laughs> That's big Taurus energy, though. Oh, it is big Taurus energy. See, that's why I because when I was like, I was I did research into this. I was like, who do I most identify with? And I found this website that was like, which sex in the city character are you based on your zodiac sign? 
as they do. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, and um, uh, I think Samantha was obviously Samantha was either Aries or Sagittarius because duh. Um, but I'm a Taurus. I identify heavily with Taurus energy, and Miranda was definitely the most Taurus. So that's why I'm just like I need to think about this. But then that's the thing that factored into my decision. But go go ahead. What were you saying about uh, about uh, 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 Carrie and uh, and uh, Miranda and why you think I'm a Samantha? Oh, I just I think well, before the uh, can I be sexually attracted to a sandwich <laughs> statement. <laughs> I think in the early in the early episodes, Miranda comes off as a little bit more because you hear lawyer and the first thing you think of is like, oh, that's somebody who's who's kind of might be a little bit stuffy or boring. Yeah. And then with Carrie, I think I think you wouldn't say you are a Carrie because I thought you would probably reserve that for me for the same reasons that you because because I'm a researcher and like inquisitive asking questions kind of see myself as an armchair anthropologist. You thought that I thought that you <laughs> would be a carry. You thought That's that what, I yeah. would identify you as a carry, but really you're a yeah. uh, 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 half Samantha, half Miranda in your heart. That's, that's what I think, but also <laughs> that could I could be totally off. Who knows? We're going multiple levels of of three D chess here, but okay. So tell me, why do you think I'm a Samantha? Um, I think she's um vain. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's um, vain. She knows how good she looks. That's the that difference. Is, that is it. It's precisely my point. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an episode where Charlotte's like, I can't stand the way that my thighs look. I need to exercise more. And I'm just like, that would never be me. I'm like. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's like it's the self-confidence for me that that associates you with her specifically, though, like it's the specific brand of vanity that is not judging others. Like, there's a brand of vanity that's like, I look good and you'll never look as good as I do. <laughs> so, like, you suck because you don't look as good as me. And that's not it. Like, that's not what you or Samantha portrays in my in my mind. You just portray this very, this very, like, I look so good. Yeah. And, like, that's the end of it. There's not a judgment on other people. It's just like, yeah, I look great. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think that that particular brand of confidence that's not putting other people down at all, but is just like insanely confident. That's what associated her with you for me. Also, I love this entire conversation. I love this entire conversation too. Well, no, let me tell you why. Because, and you can tell our listeners that this is absolutely true. um, What would you say? Half of our texts to each other start with dude and or bro. Yeah. Like that's what we call each other off mic. 60%. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like the other side of that. Yeah. You know what? Here's the thing, though, is that our friendship transcends uh, 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 classical gendered uh, uh, friendships. Uh, You know what I'm saying? It's Yeah. our, Our friendship has a lot of like levels that are not like typical of like of like gendered relationships because and like the the number one one is that we mostly call each other dude yeah and al- and bro also though I f- you are the only per and I wanted to tell you this on air you are the only person the only dude identifying male identifying person who's ever called me bro and it felt right. <laughs> 
it's like you call like other male identifying people call me bro and i'm like yeah that's nice you call me bro and it just feels right that's funny that's that's you know what that says that says everything about this relationship here this uh that's it yeah Yeah. like that's the thing though i think that part of that has to do with the fact that um we are uh, while i am definitely like a cisgendered man who who identifies very much as 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 male i am perfectly happy to subvert gender roles when i feel like it and not really care about it you have it. what they call yeah you have what they call a feminine side i do and i'm not ashamed of it i don't care like i don't care whether people like are want to make fun of me for that because they're like if they're making fun of me for that that's just like them speaking from a place of insecurity and they suck um and i understand that you you know with uh, with regards to you are very much an open-minded person when it comes to gender when it comes to sexuality and that sort of thing so while you may in your life take on roles that are traditionally feminine that is not something that you see as limiting that is not something that you view as like a cage for how you identify yourself or how you show yourself to other people Right. Gender is not a box that I feel like I want to be inside of. Yeah. It's just like I don't I don't really see like activities as gendered. Like, you know, baking or sewing or whatever. And they shouldn't be. Yeah, and I have like I have like strong feminine traits and also some strong not feminine traits. Yeah, but I want to back up a little bit because we were talking about fashion there. Um briefly we were talking about fashion um yeah that was like a million years ago but okay. yeah about my taste for fashion uh and my taste for for men's fashion and i want to talk about somebody who has terrible men's fashion and is also probably the worst character on the entire show um and this is a guy who carrie meets in the first episode and he keeps showing back up again Ugh, this i know you. this is a guy uh if you watch the show if you have seen the show his name, he is known as Mr. Big. She always calls him Big. She never refers to him by his name. He's always Big, Big, And I'm big, guessing big. like the I'm guessing like the entire show, he never gets a name. I don't know. I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. But there was like okay. a scene at one point where uh, Carrie was out with her boyfriend who she's dating after she dates Big and Big gets married to somebody else. And he sees, she sees Big and his new wife out uh, at, when she's with her boyfriend and she tries to introduce them and she's like oh this is and then he gets coffee spilled on him and you never hear his name (sighs) it's it's one of those okay so it's like one of those things listen i hate this guy he sucks he's the worst i hate him i hate him uh the way he like plays mind games is it's so inappropriate yeah so the the thing about this character he is played by chris noth who i've seen every single episode of law and order and i really liked chris noth in law and order he was in like the first seven seasons of law and order wait oh my god yeah he was one of the cops i knew i'd seen him before i can't remember what his his cop's name was for the life of me i can't remember it uh uh uh, he for one season, I think he was partnered with Jerry Orbach uh, and then he left yep. uh, because of there. I think he beat up the he attacked. They, there was a case that was like based on the Harvey Milk case. There was an episode that was based on Harvey Milk and the dude uh, didn't end up getting convicted. And then Chris Noth uh, got written off the show because he assaulted the guy who was the killer after the uh, 
after oh. the trial uh, because he was definitely a killer. He definitely did it. And it was because he was uh, prejudiced. Um, but I liked Chris Noth in Law and Order. And so he shows up in Sex in the City. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. I liked him in that show. And then he's just like the biggest scumbag. He's like one of the few handsome men so far on this show, too. So he's handsome, but all of his clothes are terrible. Because it's that 90s suit situation. Like, look at the pants, okay? Look at the pants. And you can see that, like, the pants are so baggy. It's like, and they, like, pool around your ankles. It's horrible. See, I just, I I think I've been so overwhelmed with hatred for this man that I haven't had time to criticize his fashion sense. I think in the first episode, they call him, like, the next Donald Trump. Oh, God. Yes, I think you're right. But he, so this, this guy... And and I have no issue with appropriate age gap relationships. I think what they're I think the portrayal in this show, he Carrie is early thirties, he's mid forties. Yeah. Is that about No, right? that is he's I think forty two or something, or like forty one, forty two. That is that is so not an inappropriate age gap. Um, especially because neither one of these people is uh, you know, Carrie's not financially dependent on her older partner. Um this isn't a, a, an age gap that should be a cause for concern. It's not I mean, the age only, gap that's the cause of concern. Years. It's everything else it's about their relationship the that's a fact, cause for concern. The thing is that he uses he uses his age gap and Carrie's perception that he is more mature than she is, and her you know her perception of his money. He uses those things as tools of power over her, and he plays mind games with her. And that stinks. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. I do not like this guy. He is a pretentious asshole. And I feel like, like, almost I feel like if there's anything that would ruin my enjoyment of the show, it's him. So what he will do is he will, like, show up into Carrie's life and he'll be like, I'm 42 and I'm really mature. I know how to handle my emotions. I know things. I know things. I'm successful. I'm rich. I, and then she's like, mm-hmm. ooh, look at him. He's so – he's rich. He's successful. I'm attracted to that. And then she'll like – but then his whole thing is he's like, well, I'm mature and – the fact he'll say that he's mature and his maturity will be like, well, I've matured past the point where I need to like outwardly express my emotions. But then really that's just him being emotionally unavailable to her. And then he'll make it seem like when she's like, I need these signifiers from you that our relationship is going somewhere. He will be like, Oh, I thought that we were more mature than that. I thought that we were that that we were above that like childish like teenage love thing and then Ugh. she'll like yeah and then she'll be like, "Oh, I never realized this guy understands more things than I do and then the way that I experience things is not as good as him because he's older than me." But really he's just uh masking his complete emotional unavailability as uh as maturity. And because he knows that he doesn't want to be emotionally available to her, he acts really manipulative and toward, yeah, towards her to try and be like, oh, well, you shouldn't have expected those things for me to begin with. Like, he doesn't want to be emotionally available, but he wants, like, all of the benefits of her being his girlfriend. Yes, he wants all but the But he doesn't sex, want to give he wants her, the, you know, the time. He wants... The time, the the energy, the like the you know the coupley dates that you don't do unless you're committed to somebody, you know that the going to IKEA together in modern terms. Yeah, ooh, like he wants he wants all of that, 
but he doesn't want to like provide for her emotional needs and that it just that's just that's not maturity no like i think one big reason that women that's just being a taker yeah like one reason that women date older men is because you know women a lot of women who are family minded or like ready to settle down looking for marriage or looking for children like that's one reason that women will date older men and but also because you know older men typically have been in relationships before and they kind of have an idea of of how to treat somebody well in a relationship like they they've made they've made dumb mistakes like you know forgetting your birthday and forgetting your anniversary and that kind of thing and they don't do that like they've learned better and um Mr. Big doesn't want to give Carrie any of that like none of the benefits Have you gotten to the point where he talks about how he was previously married Mm-mm. So there's a. Uh, have you uh, uh, had the three way episode? Mm-mm. Okay, so there's an episode where. Uh, wait, wait, isn't it an episode where where uh, Carrie needs to go into a storage closet and she goes in there with two guys and then a rumor spreads around the college that she had a three way in the closet with the two guys and then nobody wants to be her friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the episode? Sadly, no. Sadly, that would be that would be a hilarious episode for a TV show. And eventually, if they make your story into a TV show, uh, um, then that will be that will be a great episode. But uh, so what happens, I think, is Charlotte is dating a guy who wants a three way. Why is Charlotte always dating these guys who like ask her for things that she's not super into? Yeah, like what was it? Episode two, she was dating a guy who wanted anal, and she was like, "I don't know if I want to do that." And then they're like, "If you're not comfortable with it, say no." And then she says no, and the guy's like, "Okay," (laughs) like, yeah. But she's like, Like, I don't very. uh, She's like very uncomfortable. Or does or does she just not have the ability deciding what she is and isn't comfortable with without consulting her friends? No, that's more what it is. But like then, because like most people kind of know whether they want to do that or not. I have the feel. I have the feeling that most people kind of know in their heart. Yeah. See, that's the thing with Charlotte is that Charlotte, I feel like she wants a lot of these things, but she doesn't like being the idea of being the person who wants those things. Huh. Yeah, but anyway, we were See, talking. Who are we? Talking? I don't know. What was she raised like? Super Catholic or something? No, I think she's uh very waspy. Oh, she seems okay. very waspy to me. I don't know. Um, the the what, what what were we talking about? We were talking about uh the three way. We, we were just we were just getting done hating Mister. Yeah, Bates. no, we were getting into the three way episode where one of the characters. So Charlotte's dating a dude who wants a three way, and so she's like, "Oh, okay, you know what? That might be fun." And then so they go to a party to try to it's like a masquerade ball or something. So they're like, okay, we're going to try to pick up a girl for a three way at this masquerade ball. Meanwhile, um, Carrie asks Big if he ever had a three way. And then Big is like, yeah, my ex-wife and her best friend. And then and then Carrie eventually that's how Carrie finds out. I think that Big was married. And then she goes and like seeks out Big's ex-wife. And then, like, talks to her about stuff. And then she's like, were you ever married? And then she's like, yeah, the dude cheated on me with my best friend after uh, I had a three-way with him and my friend. And then he cheated on me with her afterwards. And I'm like, Carrie, this is your dude? And she's like, oh, but he learned better. Like, I'm just like, no, 
He's just a, a tool. Oh, but there's one more thing in the episode where Samantha has like a gay uh, friends who are a gay couple and they're just like, we want to try it with a woman. And then so she's about to have a three way with this gay couple like this, like fully like like fully like cisgendered like two gay men who are never who who've never like you know been with a woman before and they're like yeah we think it would be kind of fun and then they like uh, it's it's very funny and then they like get into the and they're just like actually we don't want to do this but thank you for coming never yeah mind. no so what i wanted to say though uh, so you're telling me that Carrie tracks down Mr. Big's ex-wife and doesn't tell her, like, she's not like, oh, I'm dating your ex. She just, like, befriends her under false pretenses to get her to, to give up the dirt on her ex-husband, Mr. Big? Low-key, yes. Okay, listen. So when women do that kind of thing, there's a word that people like to apply to women who do that kind of thing, and that word is crazy. Um... Like people, if you do that kind of thing, people will call you crazy, and and will stigmatize you if you're the woman who does that kind of thing. Like you'll get very stigmatized very fast. I would like to point out that if Mister Big weren't such a jerk, Carrie wouldn't have needed to do that. Yeah, I'm not saying that she did a good thing or that she did a right thing, uh, or that what she did is completely, you know, a good idea. At it all. doesn't end like as poorly as you think it would. You sh- like you shouldn't deceive. Like yeah, but you sh- that's not ethical. Yeah. Like you shouldn't deceive people and get them to talk about their ex who you're dating. Like that's not that's not an ethical way to communicate with other people in the world that we share. Yeah. However, Carrie wouldn't have needed to do that if Big hadn't been such a fucking jerk. See, here's the thing: is that if you feel the need to do that, that's more of an indication that your relationship is having a problem that you're not going to be able to solve by right. getting these deets from somebody else. I just. Just just a note on on when we call women crazy and what that really means. Yeah. Okay, now that I got my super feminist soapboxes out of the way. I didn't feel like that was like aggressively super feminist. I thought that was oh, more good. just like common sense than anything else. Oh good. Good good. Yeah. So we've <sighs> So finally, I, I want to get to the to uh one topic. I think we touched on it earlier. Um so this show came out in 1998. I think it ran from 1998 to like 2004, 2005, something like that. So it started more than 20 years ago. How have things changed in 20 years? Like if you saw them, I, I guess they did announce that they're doing a remake. But if you saw like this show is a new show now, how do you think it would be the same? How do you think it would be different? I think... At least one of the four women would be canonically bisexual or lesbian from the beginning. That's a, a um, fair observation. I also think not all of them would be white. Yeah, that was that was going to be my second point. I think that 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 would be a casting decision that would be done differently. Um, just from the from the get go, like this is an extremely white show, and it's set in New York, which is a very diverse city, and there's very few mm-hmm. non-white characters in it. Like they'll show right, up like, from time know. to time and have an arc, but they won't be main, you know. Yeah. So I think I think that could change off the top. Um I I also think yeah, I also think that that we wouldn't have four cis straight women. I think there'd be 
at least one character who's who's bisexual or somebody who's lesbian and kind of goes through the same girl troubles as the rest of them have boy troubles. I think that could be actually a really cool plot point. Right, because there was that episode in the beginning where somebody assumed that Miranda was gay. And yeah, and they set, set her up with this other girl who worked for the law firm. And then she was like, oh, they were a cute couple. Yeah. Well, I, and then Miranda was like, well, but they want me to be in a couple if I can uh, so that I can get professional advancement because they want people who are family oriented. And so she kept like dating this woman who the woman knew that Miranda wasn't gay. Right. Everybody was on board with this little deception. Yeah. So it wasn't like a, a leading her on type situation that that people will do uh it, it but that that was a very funny plot line i think that it would have been very easy um i think if the show had been made it had started like about five six years later they would have leaned hard into the cringe element of that uh because i think that this was before cringe comedy really became as big yeah. a deal as it as it is now with shows like the office doing cringe comedy that was like you know, where you it's funny because you're laughing at it, but you're laughing because it's uncomfortable. That wasn't it wasn't quite that situation. It was just sort of like a funny situation. Um, I would also be interested to see, um, I think, an equal. It probably wouldn't be the same show at no. all because this show is about like consumerism. But I would be interested to see the same premise but uh but the the four main characters being like service industry workers um you know people who waitress and bartend two or three different nightclubs well have you seen to, girls to make their... on eight no i haven't it's sort of similar is that kind of it it's sort of similar Sorry, to that i don't know i didn't care for it as much because i found almost all of the characters to be completely unlikable um but that's just me it's it's very similar to that with with lena dunham uh Oh, okay. I've I've heard of it. I just haven't seen it. Um, no, I think I think the show would be more diverse. But I think I mean I would watch a twenty twenty version of it. Yeah, I think that Girls on HBO was I think supposed to be the millennial version of Sex in the City. Um, I didn't care for it as much personally. But I think that like, but when you're thinking about it, because uh, I mean you're friends with women. I'm friends with women. Uh, how common like if you have like a friends with like. Or say you have a group of four women. What are the chances that none of them are like at least a little bit have like a little bit like uh, uh, lesbian tendencies, bisexual, pansexual uh, uh, tendencies? I mean, in Portland, the chances are zero. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing. I don't think I could put four straight women in a room in Portland. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing where you're like, how do you find with me? Like, because. You know, I'm like, how kind of hard f- to get four straight men in a room in Portland. How do you find four 100 like head will not like just like I'm not at all like not flexible. Nothing. Yeah, I mean Samantha is like the most flexible, but it's all but she's like only like in in it for like if it's like a three way or something like that. So I yeah, she's I she's not I feel really like interested in dating women. That seems so improbable. Yeah. You know, in in our generation, where where people are comfortable and able to come out, um, and where being bi isn't as stigmatized as it once was. Yeah, no, but there is an episode. I think it was very early in the show where Carrie is dating a bisexual guy, and she like just can't handle it. Huh. Or no, you know what? I think it was. It was only twenty years. I think it was season two or season three. No, what what it was was she was dating this dude who is bisexual, um, and she's like 
having a difficult because you know already she's she has some issues with insecurity we know this from the show oh yeah she has some issues with insecurity and she's talking to this guy uh, and she's been going out with this guy and she's like, okay, well now I don't just have to compete with all of the women. I have to compete with all of the men too. That's too many people. <laughs> okay. For, yeah. That, that's a common, yeah, that's a common, <laughs> like it's a common thought that people have. Yeah. And then she goes to his, like she goes with him to his ex-boyfriend's birthday party where everybody's super like, like pansexual and everybody is everybody's ex and she like cannot handle it. it it's really funny Wait, yeah that see then again is that is that like a, a product of the time or is that a product of carrie's insecurity i think it's because that's both. insecurity is something that does kind of define her yeah like that's that's one of that's kind of her like her hallmark flaw and that's the thing that big realizes and that's why he keeps going after her over and over and over again is so that he can be like oh she's insecure she'll come back to me and then every time she rejects him i'm just like yes carrie thank you for rejecting him and then every time she's like actually i'm gonna go back to big i'm just like carrie what are you doing yeah but i mean i I don't know overall it's kind of nice to have a tv show where people have real flaws yeah uh, I wish she like it's like I, I wish she wouldn't do that because it drives me crazy that she gives this guy the time of day. Yeah. Um, but it is I, I don't know. It's nice to see a TV show where people have like actual real life flaws. Yeah. So uh, I think that's kind of it for things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, do you have. A, so you like this show. Um. Yeah, I kind of felt like this show. So. This is probably going to be the most controversial thing I say on this episode, but I feel like the show is like flea bag if it was actually more fun to watch. Hmm. And I'm like, I've never seen I Fleabag. know people. I feel like people are going to hate that because people love flea bag, and I just I didn't like it. I had it recommended to me, and I haven't watched it. Um, I just wasn't a fan. I kind of felt like this was this show was kind of what I was hoping flea bag would be. So yeah, I so did like it. Did um, like I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, I'm going to keep watching See, it. What I found about the- I found the first season I couldn't tell whether it was good and I whether it was good and I didn't like it or whether it was bad and I did like it. But then once you get into season 2, season 3 and the character development starts getting stronger, I found myself enjoying it more. So I'm going to keep watching to the end, which is an I'm endorsement. Gonna, I'm going to keep watching this. And uh, I also think that uh, maybe I didn't realize how much like wine was going to be in this show. (laughs) There's like so much alcohol in this show. That's got to be making you Um, mad because you can't drink for another two months. See, I was never like I was never a big drinker. So it's not for it's fortunately it's not that big of a deal. But I would love to do a follow up episode about this once I can do it with a drink. Yeah, I think that would be fun. So uh, what are your final thoughts about this show? Final thoughts. Grand conclusions. Uh, Actually, my final thought, I wanted to read you a quote that I found about this show. Go for it. I'm excited to hear it. So here's, here's here's what I thought summed it up really well. Sex in the city allowed women to wage war culturally, but only within their feminine territory. Dating, sex, fashion, food, and shopping. And I thought that said a lot. 
because it recognizes the impact that the show had and it recognizes that in a lot of ways this show does model feminism uh and it and it's and it also recognizes that this show is a product of its times and that the the medium that they kind of had to work in to get some of these feminist ideas on television was through hyper femininity and traditionally feminine you know things like high heels and dresses uh i thought i thought that said it really well because it's it's not a judgment of you know what they should have done it's just an explanation of what they did do with this show and speaking about you know the time that it was that it came out that's probably the best that we can sort of expect from a show like this yeah i don't think it's reasonable to expect things to have been any better in the late 90s. No. Um, there there are things that are said and done in the show where, we, you know, people now, we kind of go, oh, that wouldn't go over now. But um, I do think that they were trying to be inclusive, and I do appreciate that. And I hope that the reboot is, is more inclusive in a couple main ways that we mentioned. Yeah, and it doesn't come across, uh, you know, when they are trying to be inclusive, it doesn't come across as being patronizing it more comes across as well this is the language that they would have used to talk about this 20 years ago mm-hmm. yeah um so i want to get into what is the next assignment um so i sadie doesn't know what this is going to be yet but basically i uh went on amazon and you went on where amazon okay what Amazon? Amazon. Okay. What do you say? Amazon? A- yes. Amazon? Yes. The okay, Am- how do no, you... No, it's the Amazon River. Is it? Amazon, 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 yeah. Amazon, Parmesan. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's interesting. The Yeah, so I went on Am... Okay. I went on... <laughs> Jeff Bezos website. Yeah, I went on Jeff Bezos, the second richest man in the world's website, and <laughs> ordered yeah, and ordered something for Sadie. This is the first. This is also a first because we're doing a bunch of firsts. Uh, 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 you know, second. I guess this is the second episode of the second homework episode of the new year. But this is the also the second time when we're doing a first, and this is the first time that I have asked Sadie to review a book. Okay. Okay. Or a book. Yeah. Or, or books. Oh my um, gosh. How many books do I have to read before next time? So Sadie, uh, do you want to, uh, uh, th- this is a series of books that was probably the, one of the, along with Harry Potter, one of the most significant series of books of my childhood. Okay. Shall I open my package? Yes. Yeah, she hasn't opened the package. She doesn't know what it this is, is gonna yet. It's going to be ASMR. Too bad this isn't a video podcast. You guys can just hear it. So I'm gonna. I can't do video podcast. I'd have to do my hair. Yeah, and also it would oh. mess it up. Have you? Did Chuck kick you, or did you see what it was? I saw what it was. This is like twelve books. Is it twelve books? Okay, well, it, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten books. Okay, so Sadie, would you like to tell the wonderful people what I have sent you? 
So this appears to be a book series, beginning with the book The Adventures of Captain Underpants. The Adventures of Captain Underpants. The absolute... It's got a little man on the front. He kind of looks like a thumb wearing underwear and a cape. The biggest hit of the Scholastic Book Fair. When I I was a kid, (laughs) you get money for the Scholastic Book Fair that they have at your school. You go to the book fair. You buy the new Captain Underpants book. Now, I will tell you. So what we've got there, uh, I think I had them send to you, was like the original series that went up until like I want to say like because he added more ones on later, but it would be like, but the ones that he added on later were like when I'd grown out of them. But, you know, I think the first one came out in like 99 or 2000. So I was like perfect age uh, uh, for this sort of thing. But this if is you, the first 10 books looks like. So does it include, so I, I it's going to be Captain Underpants, Captain Underpants and the Attack of the Talking Toilets, uh, Captain Underpants and the one with the ridiculously long title, Captain Underpants and the perilous pro- uh, plot of uh, Professor Poopy Pants, um, yes. and I can't so remember. on and so forth. Yeah, so uh, so I have there. You will read them very fast. A lot of them are not like full pages of like text. It's not like novels, like text, text, text novels. It's like there will be some text and pictures, and then a flipporama. So this is not going to be like the time my friend loaned me the first book in the Game of Thrones series and then called me the next day to see if I was done with it yet. No. Okay. This is, you will blow through these books because there is not a lot of words in them, but you will really enjoy them. And then we will review however many I get through. Yeah. Okay. So this seems, this seems like fun. Some nice light reading. Yeah, and also when your child gets to be old enough, these will be wonderful books for when your child is interested in potty humor. That's that's just see, I was never allowed to do that kind of thing. Like I was not allowed to do potty humor at all. Oh man. When I was a kid, these books were such bangers. So so I remember seeing these um I remember seeing other kids have these or seeing them at the library, but not being allowed to read them. Man, so that's such a the, bummer well even though thinking about my kid having that is a little bit of a mind bender but but uh willing to <laughs> willing to check it out well it is a present for both you and your child you know i think your husband's probably maybe a little bit too old to have been into these when they were first coming out um but probably he, he's, he's a few I, years older than us he's what seven years older than us five years uh, older than us. six yeah so i mean he might know them uh, or he might have been too old. Uh, he was probably like within the right age group when the first one came out. So I don't know if he read the ones after that. He was first generation Harry Potter. Oh, okay. I like, was also first generation like, Harry Potter. But like wanting the new book, like when it came, like the day it came out, like midnight book. Oh, yeah, me. I did that, that too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, we should talk about that sometime. We will talk about that sometime. And okay. when we do, you will be able to listen to it on the Leaving Eden podcast. Uh, that's enough for today. This episode went a lot longer than I expected, but it uh, lent itself to some excellent discussion. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, it, uh, my name is Gabrielle Hakohen, uh, G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh follow the podcast on facebook instagram twitter on facebook and instagram it is leaving eden podcast on twitter it is at leaving eden pod sadie do you want to plug your social 
yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie or on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One, where I am still planning on doing some TikToks at some point. Yeah, and if you want to listen to the song that is playing right now, um, if you're listening to this right now uh, uh, on the day that it comes out, then you can go and listen to that uh, on Monday, uh, January 18th. We are releasing the song. But what you can do is you can go and you can pre-save the song by going to my Spotify or whatever a streaming service that you use. It is available for pre-save. The song is called Rolling River, River of Time. Look it up. It's G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. The song is coming out for streaming, for download, for uh, all of that stuff on Monday, January 18th. Uh, we sincerely hope you guys have a nice day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye-bye. But river time. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah.